customer success means having this rebellious customer outcome focus because what does the customer expect from purchasing your solution, utilizing your product? What are the outcomes that they expect from it? Welcome to the Lean Playbook, your weekly dose of strategies and insights from revenue-driving leaders, powered by Lean AI. Join us each week as we sit down with industry experts to uncover the secrets behind their consistent results and explore the best practices that propel tech companies forward. So buckle up and get ready to accelerate your growth with the Lean Playbook. Hi, I'm Kabir Mathur, the CEO of Lean AI and you've tuned in to the first episode of the Lean Playbook. Joining me on the show today is Hope Blaythorne, the former head of customer success at HashiCorp. Hope is widely acknowledged as a distinguished figure in the industry, boasting a remarkable track record of over 25 years. Throughout her career, she's held prominent positions in sales and customer success at amazing companies like Oracle, IBM, and Red Hat. In this episode, we delve into various topics, including the rising popularity of pool CS teams, strategies for enhancing efficiency within customer success, the increasing prominence of digital touch, and successful implementation approaches adopted by leading organizations in the world. Thank you for joining us, Hope. We're very happy My to have you here. My pleasure. My pleasure. I'm very excited. Awesome. Um, so we like to start these episodes with sort of a basic question, right? Basic, but maybe loaded. So tell us, uh, what does customer success mean to you? Ah, good one. Good one. I even look forward to listening to future episodes to hear what everyone responds. Um, I think customer success means having this rebellious customer outcome focus, right? Because it's in the nature of the name. What does the customer expect from purchasing your solution, utilizing your product? What are the outcomes that they expect from it? So I also think that no matter what KPIs you track um, and what other vendor metrics you might have, you need to keep that rebellious focus on your customer's outcome. That's my perspective. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah. It's not just a name. You should, that should be the motto of the organization. That should be the, the focus of the organization. Makes a it lot of sense. It should be the focus of the company, right? It's everyone's yeah. business to make sure your customers are getting value and they're, they're achieving the outcomes that your customers set to achieve. So, right. yeah. Absolutely. I love that. that that's great. Uh, great perspective to have. Cool. So there, it's, it's obviously a very interesting time for customer success at the moment. Uh, we're in this era of efficiency across SaaS companies in particular. Uh, customer success organizations are being affected. There are a number of interesting themes that are emerging uh, as an outcome of this. Uh, one term that I've been hearing a lot personally in the industry recently is digital touch, right? Uh, so I, I want to dive into this a little bit with you. What does digital touch mean to you? What does the concept sort of entail? And, and how does it benefit both the company that's implementing it as well as their customers? Yes, no, great, great question. And your observation that it is an interesting time in customer success, it's also very exciting time in customer success. Um, we are evolving and that's what we should be doing because if we are in alignment with what our customers expect as an outcome, then really what we should be doing is creating a good customer experience, right? 
And sometimes, Kabir, that customer experience is not always having a CSM hop on the call. It's not always that, is it? Right. To me, delivering a great digital customer experience means knowing more around your customer's interaction with your brand, um, how they prefer to be contacted, right? When we were at Pulse, we met some people that said, Slack is the way. Slack is the way we want to be contacted. We don't want an email. We don't want to get on a cadence call. We don't have time for that. So really, it's understanding more around your customers, the products they're purchasing, and a whole lot more about the way they wish to be engaged, how often they want to be engaged. And to me, that's creating that personalized touch. It's more than just saying, uh, dear Kabir, and filling in a name on a form. It's really understanding where you can meet your customers to help enable them to utilize and consume your product easily so that they can reach the outcomes that they want. So I'm really excited that digital touch has come into play. We see it every day, don't we? You go online, it's there. There's chatbots everywhere. It makes it easier for you as a consumer to easily be able to engage with your vendor or with a product that you purchase to better understand um, how you can continue to move forward within your purchasing process. So why not? To, why would we not offer that for our customers? I think it's fantastic. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's the, the industry or the function as a whole seems to be moving away from white glove service for everyone to this more scaled model but you know, ultimately, their CSM, their, their role is to be this liaison between their company and their customers and offer that personalized service, even if it means through a digital channel. So it's a very interesting trend to, to sort of follow. Um, you're starting to touch on this a little bit. I'm curious, are there some companies that are doing this well? Or in your opinion, what are some, some channels that companies should be leveraging as they move more towards this digital touch type of model? No, great question. You know what? The devil is in the details, right? Because you need that one version of customer truth. Ultimately, you need that. Whether you're a digital program, you want to be able to capture those digital engagements somewhere, just like you are as a CSM on a call and a cadence call. You need to pull in those insights so the next person that engages with that customer can better understood what took place at that point, surface up risk, surface up upsell, surface up expansion motions. That all comes from that. So I think having a strong CRM tool, a CS CRM tool mm -hmm. to bring all that data together is, is really valuable. And it goes back to that devil in the details. Okay, you've got that there. Um, you have to make sure the entire team that engages with the customer across that journey can also have access to that data. That's been a challenge for some companies. So it's making sure everybody from the support person that looks at the case that the customer logged and now can go back and see, oh, they communicated on Slack a week ago about this. It's an education issue or whatever it is. That gives them the ability to really engage properly with the customer versus saying, tell us a little bit about your problem and what product are you using and making the customer start from the beginning. That's extremely frust frustrating. Um, it's interesting too, because there's this dependencies that you need to explore. Um, I found just by trying to surface up a relationship survey and reaching out to our customers to better understand 
how, what is their experience with their people, product, and processes that the contact hygiene prevented me from being as effective as I wanted to be? So think about that, you know, as you're going to do a digital engagement, do you have the proper contacts in there with the proper titles all up to date? Because as we know, change management is not just in tech, it's all over the place in our, in our customers as well. Um, you've got tooling dependencies. We wanted to use Zoom polling to pull in data, but I then was capturing this data and I had nowhere to put it. It was in a dead end. Right, we needed to pull it into the Salesforce, which was our version of truth, and enabled us to also push it out into Gainsight. So, really understanding what are those tooling dependencies and how difficult is it to operationalize that from that perspective. The other piece you might have too is marketing. How many times have you gotten a marketing campaign and you've already churned away from that product? Or you're at a different stage and their marketing campaign is acting like you just started with them. Frustrating? So being in lockstep with the messaging that your company um, projects from the beginning in the pre-sales and that discovery all the way through their journey is very important. It's very important. Um, and also understanding the impact that the automation might have um, on that journey as well to make sure that you can actually surface up and report out on the various stages, the health of the customer during those stages um, and where they are. Are they ready for the next product? Maybe, maybe not, but it's really building in those type of metrics that you can determine that to make it easier for your team to, to surface that up quickly. So yeah, now you asked me who's doing it well, that's a great question. Um, and I had to really take a few steps back to think through that um, because you know what? I have seen some companies struggling with this even those companies that I've always had as a bellwether, okay, they're up there on a pinnacle. Um, one of the companies I think it's totally out of this tech realm is Patagonia. I think you and I mm. shared that. Yeah. And Patagonia has an incredible customer engagement, the way their website is. Well, guess what? Earlier this year, Patagonia, one of my favorite companies, a B company as well, um, they had this buyback program of their used clothing. And I sent my used clothing in. I thought it was great. Somebody else can be utilizing it. I got a credit for that. However, they had a whole mix up because they had such a high demand. Oh. Um, thankfully, somebody in a local store reached out to me because I never had that closed loop after I sent it out. Um, so it revealed to me, wow, the demand. And they sent me a nice email. The demand has been really humongous, da, 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 da right? Um, but it's really said to me, wow, you know what? Anticipate greatness, right? Mm -hmm. They didn't anticipate that much, that scale. And that's what I would think, like when you start go moving forward is to anticipate that you will achieve more than you anticipate because that's what they did. And normally their customer experience has been spot on. Um, I would cut them a break on that because I don't think they anticipated that. But it's interesting when you see it in your day-to-day -day life um, in different vendors that you work with, how that customer experience does uh, unfold in front of you. And sometimes it's great and it's perfect and it's right on the line. And other times you have the hiccups, um, like I did with one of my favorite vendors. So it, it's, 
it's interesting. I think we're all trying to find our way there. And here's the thing that I also feel is very passionate about is experiment. Don't be afraid. I didn't churn away from Patagonia, right? I I'm got my credit, took me six weeks, but that's okay. You know, they tried something new. They never had a program like that where during that month they gave you more for the, um, the clothes that you sent in. They tried something, kudos to them. So I would wanna say as loyal customers, your customers recognize that you are trying something new too. So don't yep. be afraid. I love that. I love that example because you know we all work in tech and we're so heads down normally and looking at other tech companies for inspiration, but here's a, a well-loved brand that does something completely different. Uh, but, but you're absolutely right. It's about mapping the journey, right? As a CS leader, I think if you're moving to digital touch, what I'm hearing is that you need to, of course, have the right tools in place. You need to have this continuity across the customer journey. But what that probably involves is mapping out every part of the customer journey and thinking of what the different outcomes could be, right? That's that's what creates those delightful customer experiences that we're all ultimately uh, do, doing this for. That's That's the whole purpose of this role. Yep, absolutely. Cool. Uh, one one follow-up question on that. So you mentioned this data continuity, and we were at Pulse, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and there were a lot of PS operations people there, uh, and I, I I bet they have a pretty big role to play in moving this data across these different silos. Uh, so I'm curious to get your view on that. How how did they sort of play into this equation, and how important is CS ops? Um, uh, in, in this in this challenge of moving to digital touch? It is key. It's funny, Kabir, because coming to Pulse this time, I tended to go see more of the leadership tracks and more of these other high-level tracks. And I found myself in ops tracks for that exact reason. I wanted to see, I wanted to see the nuts and bolts because the devil is in that details. The devil is in pulling in all of that data into uh, the ability for you to surface that up. As a leader, you wanna be able to have access to that data, okay? But guess what? If you're now gonna leverage Slack as a, as a customer channel, you need to get data out of that. If you're gonna um, engage with Pandio, you need to get data out of that. If you're gonna use Qualtrics, you need to get data out of that. So really, I found, especially last year where I moved to support more of our customer experience, um, I worked solely a lot of the times with the ops team because I could come up with a great idea and say, hey, this is what we're going to be doing, such I wanted to do readiness polling for customers prior to starting the digital journey, okay? Because guess what? If you start a digital journey on a very technical product, you don't have the skills to be able to start, it's going to be frustrating and you're not going to be able to get off the mark. So what I did was I pulled together an incredible readiness program that had a punch list and even polled our customers, letting them know, hey, we have a certification program, education, training, et cetera, but gave them the opportunity to test their skills before they started, right? Well, guess what? Initially, that was being done in Qualtrics. Um, and we wanted to make sure we had that so that 
we could then react to them and come back and say, you might be ready for the next onboarding train because at this point, we feel as though you need to work on these aspects of your skill set so that you can be successful. So it's little things like that that really, you know, to me was the ops team. I brought that, hey, I want to do a readiness program. Well, <laughs> this is what that entails, you know, the email campaign, the, all of this. There was a lot to be able to be pulling that data in and also then to be pushing it into a gain site. So from the moment they started their onboarding, we were able to track their health and make sure that they were um, accelerating on their onboarding, but also consuming. Because what we saw was a flat line of some people went through onboarding and then they stopped consuming and we had to do an activation campaign after that. We really want them to get on board and continue to, to go. So the more we could work through that and pull in that data to understand why they weren't onboarding properly and help them, the better it could be. So ops team is essential. Some of the sessions that I did see there as well was the ops team working with the product team, right? Making sure that some of the functions, especially as a service product offerings, you could have that chatbot be right in the product. You could have some of those aspects of your journey pop up when it, your customer reaches a certain uh, phase within the product as well. I find that really amazing because what it does is it keeps your customer in the product all the time, which is what you want them to do, right? You don't want them to hop out, go to a Slack channel, type a question and ask, hey, I'm in, I'm in here, what's going on? You want them to do that in the product. So I was really most excited by those type of examples that I saw at Pulse. That's great. So that's a great takeaway for our listeners. If you're investing in digital touch, do a customer readiness survey and invest in, in CS ops, at, at least one person on that team to help you execute uh, what can be quite a complicated journey. Okay, so I, I wanna move on to another theme that we actually heard a, a little bit about at, at Pulse and it's very much in keeping um, within this overall theme of efficiency within CS teams. A lot of CS teams are now moving to what's being referred to as a pooled CS model. So I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. What does it mean and, and why is it important? I saw that too, Kabir. Um, and I did find that really fascinating because usually with the pooled model, um, it enables you to extend your valuable people resources, right? It's probably the most expensive resource you have as a CS leader. Um, because here's the thing that I found that I knew was not sustainable. We kept getting in more accounts, but all we did was throw bodies at it, right? Every quarter, there I am. I need five more CSMs. I need this. I need that. And it was just like, this model is not scalable. I am so glad that the digital model is helping to augment that and, be, and enable uh, efficiencies within CS. And I'm really happy about the pooled model because it really helps you expand your team size without having to provide each customer with a dedicated CSM. The other thing that was kind of an aha moment to me as well was to learn how some customers in different industries didn't want a dedicated CSM. Here's what I thought was really fascinating. I spoke to a customer that had a CSM for every cloud provider to which they use three, then for all their cloud vendors. So at the end of the day, they had 10 dedicated CSMs 
that wanted cadence calls every wow. month. Okay. Think about that. Yep. So to me, that was like, when you look at it from the customer's perspective, what would you want? Do you remember all these people? Do you remember, right? It's a lot. It is really a lot. So um, whether you're on a tight budget or not, I really feel like knowing your customer and their expectations and also knowing how your competitors approach the customer success engagement is also helpful because honestly, I'd have people when I was at um, HashiCorp, people would refer to, uh, oh, you know, CS at Red Hat is this way because I was at Red Hat before. So they make their own comparisons, your customers. Oh, well, my Google CSN does this, you know what I mean? So you have to come up with a model that benefits both your team and your customers. Um, the thing that I see though about pooled CS, CS models is they work well with products that are simple, right? Think about that. And they're user-friendly. You've got easy, user-friendly products that you get a bunch of, um, you get a customer that reaches out and they have a CSM that responds to them, but obviously it's not the dedicated CSM. And that person can be perhaps the concierge to get them to where they need to go, um, bring them to the next stage, et cetera, et cetera. It's really aligned more to product-led growth motions um, because from that perspective, I know at HashiCorp, we had extremely technical products. Um, I felt the pooled CSM model was best to augment the digital touch, right, in the lower segment. So for me, knowing A, my products are extremely technical, B, um, my customers that are coming in and using it tend to have higher technical um, related questions and sometimes even questions outside the scope because we provide multi-cloud environments, it could be around AWS and Google, et cetera, Kubernetes, things that, uh, technologies that enable them to utilize our products but were outside of the scope of our products. Um, there, it might be more of a challenge from a pooled um, CSM motion um, in as much as another company where their products are more user-friendly, maybe it's a human resource platform or something like that, that isn't so geeky. Um, but I found for um, really technical products, it was a great option for here's your digital journey. Now you hit a, a snag in your digital journey. You need to reach out to a CS um, resource. Here's a pooled model to support that. So it's an interesting layer of like, how do you build on that? Digital first, then pulled CSM. Then as the customers get bigger, they're expanding and they have more of the propensity um, for using multiple products that makes their engagement a little bit more challenging. That might be where they move into more of a higher touch model. But I definitely see it as a viable option. I definitely see it in some areas that it could be the option because their products, again, a product-led growth perspective means that that product is a lot more user-friendly, simple to use, et cetera. Wow, what a great plus, right? To have that kind of level of support for your customers, especially if the self-serving aspect that you already have put in in that motion has been effective before, right? Got it. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So it seems like if you're a CS leader thinking about a pool CS model, the calculus involves knowing your customer. Do they do they want CSMs to be reaching out to them? And the second is how technical or or simple to use uh, your product is. Right, that those those two factors make a lot of sense. And maybe in some cases, even with technical products, you probably experience this at HashiCorp. Your your accounts don't want to want people reaching out to them because they know what to do or they know how to find the resources. So what yep. do you do in that case? Do you do you over time transition a high touch account down to digital touch? Is that an option? It could be an option. It could also be to con the other thing, and it depends on again customer product situation. Sure. HashiCorp being as it was open source, and a lot of customers came in through open source. A, a good approach might be to pull them into more of an enterprise community, right? A community of people that are using the enterprise version that understand here are the best practices. Here's how we're using it at scale. User groups. We found some of our most sophisticated high touch customers, some of them could tell us how to use it. You know what I mean? Um, they are best in that industry specific user group aspect there, because especially for banking, government, highly regulated, they might not be able to use um, the product in the same way that a gaming company would use it. They're not going to upgrade as often as a gaming company. You know what I mean? Things like that. There could be security constraints for them um, that there would be on another company. So I have found that being able to engage them into a community with others and having you as the, the vendor monitor that community, bring in other people that can be speakers and talk to them about trends. Uh, zero trust was a big trend for us last year. We had speakers come in and talk about that. This is what it looks like at scale. Um, these are use cases and examples, et cetera. Um, that was more valuable to our customers than a check the box high touch cadence call every week. You know what I mean? Um, it, it, again, all depends on where they are on that journey and where they are within use of the product. Got it. So use of community is another really interesting uh, way to scale your, your CS function and potentially even to some extent outsource some of, the, uh, some of the questions that are coming in from your customers, some of those journeys. Uh, do you know of companies that have done done this well? Maybe you can use an example from HashiCorp. And how do companies effectively onboard their customers to do these communities uh, and make it feel natural? Yes, I heard. You know, actually, when we were at that panel at Pulse, I sat in a group, and then there was a woman there that shared with us how she created a community onboarding. Okay, um, and very much crowdsourced, like everybody was hands-on and in there talking, you know, what we did at HashiCorp was more onboarding with a group, but it wasn't community where everyone was interacting, okay? And I thought, you know, when I look back, wow, it would be a value to offer maybe even office hours outside of that. So others could say, you know what, I'm in a Kubernetes, blah, 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 this is what I did. Oh yeah, that's a great idea. Because people like learning from other people, especially people in that come up through open source, they're familiar with that. They don't feel like it's a competitive situation. 
Um, but yeah, I, I do think that that is a huge advantage is creating those communities um, and really bringing people together to better understand how you're doing it. And especially in different industries, you know, that's, that's really vital. That is definitely something that is a value. That's great. Okay, Hope, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for sharing these pearls of wisdom with uh, folks that are listening in. These are invaluable pieces of advice for this era of efficiency that we're in. And I'm sure a lot of CS leaders will, will get uh, a lot of inspiration from what you've shared here. Um, if folks wanna reach out to you to learn more, what's, what's the best way for them to get in touch? Please connect to me on LinkedIn. I, I really enjoy when people reach out to me and I have a word of advice. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to, to try new tools. Don't be afraid to try new risks. Know your customers and your customers will appreciate when you try to engage them in a different way. Um, work with your customers around that. You know, like I said, my Patagonia example, I'm still buying Patagonia. It's there. I know that they didn't expect that kind of response and they were more human about it and they chipped in their store people to help support that. So that is great. That's scrappy. You can be scrappy too, right? Everyone can, and people will respect that. So don't be afraid to try new things. That's such a great note to, to end this first episode on. Don't be afraid and, and experiment. That's, that's an amazing mindset for CS leaders to have. Thank you again so much, Hope. It was amazing having you on here. My pleasure.